Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to affect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. Brother-in-law, he's my good friend and brother-in-law. Before we were brother-in-laws, we were good friends. He could probably tell you some crazy stories about me. I, I ask him not to. In this environment, we went to college together. We played soccer together, um, and we've just been friends for a long time, over 20-something years now. And I've tracked his ministry. He pastors an awesome church in uh, Bradenton, Florida, and that church is thriving. They're growing. They built a new space, and they're having to build on because of the work that God is doing through that community. And he is an incredible man of God. I would not let anybody come into this pulpit that I didn't believe is pursuing God with all their heart. And I can promise you this, that you're going to get a message directly from God's heart to your heart. And I know that it's going to transform your life in powerful ways. And so I want to encourage you to do something. Lean in today. Open your ears. Open your hearts. And let's give a great big first service welcome. Welcome to my brother-in-law, Pastor Steve Coe from Bradenton, Florida. Can you love on him? Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you. Did you guys have a good Christmas? Yes, yes we did. It's a little, it's been cool up here. Normally when we come up here, it's cold, it's freezing, and uh, my wife gets very angry when she's cold. So it's nice because we've been in a big house with a lot of kids, and it's been beautiful weather. So I'm always, I always love coming up here to see you. Are you still a Panthers fan, fan big girl? All right, I'll stop talking about that then. All right, but we're going to have a good time. I know this is a holiday weekend, so we're just going to chat uh, this morning and talk about a few things. And I just, I really hope that uh, God really speaks to your heart. I just love Shane and Jamie, and I see all that they do behind the scenes. They love this church. They love you guys. They really do. They care. Uh, I know a lot of pastor friends that it seems like they're just out to build their own agenda, but that's not the case with them. They, they really love this city, and they really love this church, and so you can... I trust me when I say you got good-hearted pastors, and, and uh, also very, they do an excellent job. It's horrible to hear that you guys had a water leak here. What an awful thing. But you know what that tells me? That the enemy's trying to do something to this church. I heard him say that you guys were eight. Is that true? Eight, Shane? Yes. In the Bible, you know what eight means? It means new beginnings. Seven would always mean completion. And eight would be a new beginning. And I think God wants to really birth something fresh in your life. And in this church, you're eight. That's exciting. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you come into this space right now. I pray that you guide my words. Lord, I just want to have an encounter with you. That worship was so good, leading us into your presence. Right now, there's a lot of uh, things running through different people's minds here, Lord. And things that we have to do, things that we've been thinking about. Um, probably been busy with family time and stuff. But we put it all on the shelf. And we just say, God, if there's anything you want me to know, please speak to me. I believe if you're here this morning, you're not here by accident. It's not a coincidence. And God wanted a nice, intimate conversation with you this morning. And that's how we're going to do this in your name. Amen. So I'm going to be talking about being all in with Jesus. Really coming to the place in your life where you say, I'm all in. And you talk to a lot of people and they feel they're all in. Well, I believe in God. I don't waver on that. I don't doubt that. I, I'm really all in. But what's so interesting to me is when you compare today's Christian to the early disciples, there is a huge difference between the way that they lived and the way that we live today. We think 
we're all in oftentimes, but they are a true example of what really going all in with Christ looks like. Oftentimes when people think of being all in, they think about what you believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe fully I'm all in. But one of the things that we constantly see throughout Scripture is it's not really as much as what you believe, but it's how you live. How many of you still hold on to personality traits and habits and fears and insecurities that God's been trying to get you to give up and you just keep holding on tightly to it? You don't want to give it up. You're refusing to live all in with those things. We're usually very soft on ourselves, and I believe there, we can all push ourselves and look inward and say, you know what, there's a lot of things that I'm going, to, going through the motions with God, but I really need to do a, an assessment. And as we go into 2020, to really make sure you're all in, it doesn't just apply to us as individuals, but this church. God wants to do big things with this church in 2020. And those who are here and involved, I, I've been in ministry uh, for a while, and I've, I've had some highs and some lows, and I, I know there's times in ministry and life where you just kind of get tired, and you just kind of find a rhythm, and you do a rut, and you go through the motions. Maybe you're here, you're in leadership. A lot of the people here this morning are in leadership. You're involved with the worship team. You're involved with helping with kids, set up something. And there comes a time where we have to ask ourselves for God to give us a fresh fire and passion to do what he's called us to do. Not just with, with, with the church, but with your living your life personally. Uh, we were on a mission trip when I was in college. Uh, we went uh, to Africa, flew into South Africa and traveled around. And I was dead broke in college. I didn't have any money. And I find that whenever somebody uh, bet me to do something, if money was involved, I'd usually do it because I needed money. <laughs> And so we were there, and the seasons are different where we're at. So when it's summer here, it's winter there, and it was freezing outside. And we're a whole bunch of college dudes. Like, we can't sleep at night because we're all on daytime with our time, and their nighttime we're supposed to be sleeping. So there was, it was so cold there, and they had this pool that was like ice-cold pool. And a couple of guys said, hey, Steve. And usually whenever they say that, I, I, if there's money, I'm going to probably do it. They, my roommates could talk me into anything. All those infomercials where you're not supposed to buy them two for one, I, they would always talk me into buying that stuff. So. <laughs> And so they said, I bet you you won't jump in the pool. And I said, is there any money involved? And they said, yes. They're like, you won't do it. And I said, how much? I ended up making some good spending money. I was able to buy souvenirs that trip with their spending money. But I jumped in that pool. But how many of you can imagine I didn't put my toe in first and feel it? How do you, I, just, I knew I just had to do it, right? You, have you ever jumped in a cold pool? You live in North Carolina. You have cold pools. There's only one way, in my opinion, to jump into a cold pool. How is it? All in, you got to jump. If you go slowly, you will talk yourself out of it in a heartbeat. And everyone's going to be having fun in this cold pool, getting used to it. And you're going to be sitting out looking in saying, I couldn't do it. How many of you have kids? I have kids. How many of you have ever had to take a Band-Aid off of a child before? How many of you have ever had to take a Band-Aid off of yourself before? In my humble opinion, there's only one way to take off a Band-Aid. If you, especially if you're a dude and you have hair on your arms, you just got to go for it, right? All in. It's the same way with Christ. Christ is the same way. And there's so many times that we tiptoe our way in, feeling out the temperature of a cold pool with our faith. All right, God, I'll give you a chance. I'll start coming to church. And maybe I'll start trusting you with this and seeing how it goes. And maybe I'll try a little bit more here and seeing how it goes. And we've Americanized the gospel so much that Jesus has become nothing more than a consumer-driven mentality of, I'm going to go check out that movie theater and see if I like the show. And if I don't like it, then I'm not going to go back. And we're, we're consumer-driven with the way we approach our relationship with Christ. But when you look at the disciples in the early church, there was none of that in the early church. 
It was take up your cross, let's go, leave it all behind right now. There's no work your way into it kind of stuff when it came to following Jesus. And I feel like we've gotten to the place now where we've convinced ourselves that that's okay, that God's okay with that. And I'm going to try to show you today that he's not okay with that. Living halfway is no way to live. It leads to boredom, totally boredom. You have just enough of Jesus to know he's real, but not enough of freedom in your life to experience the power and the joy of being all in with him. You're stuck in the middle. And it's just no, it's no fun to live there. It's no place to live. It's the difference between religion and relationship. I saw it said online the other day, I said, it said, uh, religion is sitting in church and wishing you were out fishing. Relationship is you're out fishing and you can't stop thinking about Jesus. Like there's something different about you just go to church, you read your Bible, you do the things a Christian should do, and that's no different than any other religion going through the motions. That's no different than what they did before Jesus came, and that wasn't enough. That's why he had to come, because God wanted a relationship with us. And so I'm hoping, not to offend you, but I'm hoping that if you're here and you think you and God are straight, to poke at that theory for a little bit, and ask yourself, are you really all in with Christ? Are you really all in? Or is there any areas that he's been trying to get you to give up to him and you've been kind of holding back in your life? And that's, there's no better way to start 2020 with that uh, assessment of your life. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone that they only stuck around with you as long as it was in their interest? Maybe it's a dating relationship, a marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. You can just tell. As long as you are no longer in their interest, they were out. How did that make you feel? It's pretty awful. Here's another question. Have you ever had to talk to someone about something so important? You said, please, I have to talk to you about this. This is so important. Can I have your attention? This is on my heart. All right, good. And you finally have a minute to sit down and talk with them, and they're at best halfway paying attention. At best. How does that make you feel? Like, what? I don't even care. Here's another thing to ask yourself. Have you ever paid someone to do a job? Oh, I hate this. And you made the mistake of giving them all the money up front. And they haven't finished the job. Maybe they're halfway done. Maybe. And you can't get in touch with them. You can't call them. Every time you call, they avoid you. You know they're avoiding you. And when you finally get in touch with them, they say to you, you know what? I think I've done enough. How would that make you feel? We do the same thing to Jesus when we serve him the way that the standard American church says is okay, we do the same thing to Jesus. And we wonder why the church isn't seeing people get healed and seeing them get saved and seeing lives changed and why, why it doesn't look like the book of Acts today anymore because we're all living halfway. And until we can come to a place where we say, God, I don't want to ride the fence anymore. I'm just going to go all in with you and I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow you. See, my concern with the church today is this. I feel like in general, and this is a pretty harsh statement, but it's something God's been stirring on my heart lately. When you look around at people who call themselves Christians today, I feel like in general people aren't following Jesus anymore. They're asking Jesus to follow them. They go to church, why? Because they want more peace. They want more joy. Because they want to get some help. They want to feel better. They say, all right, God, I'm, I'm struggling financially. I'm going to get close to you. Why? So you can help me. All right, God, I'm going to take you with me. Will you follow me? Jesus. Will you lay down your cross and follow me, Jesus? You know what Copernicus used to teach? He used to teach that the sun evolved around the earth. We are naturally self-centered people that we assume everything evolves around us. 
And we can do the same thing with our faith if we're not careful. Jesus evolves around your world. You are the driver. He's the passenger. You love him. You hang out with him. You have a heart for God, but he's the passenger. You drive wherever you want to go, and you bring him along. I'm going to take this job, God. I want you to bless it. I'm going to do this over here. I want you to bless it. I'm going to um, serve you in this capacity, and I want you to bless it. Instead of saying, God, what do you want? Where are we going? Here's the keys to my car. You drive totally, not just with my faith, but with my attitudes, with my heart, with the things I value, with the things I care about. You are totally in charge. There's a quote from uh, Mark, um, there's a book from Mark Batterson called All In, and I love this book. There's a couple of quotes that really stand out to me I want to share with you this morning. When did we start believing that God wants us to stay in safe places doing safe things? That doesn't look like Acts. That doesn't look like the Bible. Here's another one. I love this one. Our normal today is so subnormal that normal actually seems radical. When you have someone today who truly lives all in like the disciples, we would deem them as a radical person. And that was just standard practice for following Jesus. You let it all go. You lay it all down. Where are we going? That's standard practice. Today, that's crazy. What happens to us today when we've come to the place where normal is radical to us? That should wake us up just a little bit. Here's another one. Our gospel costs nothing, but it demands everything. It's free, but it asks for you to give up all that you have. We all want to spend eternity with God. We just don't want to spend time with him while we're here. Two more. Instead of dissecting scripture, we need to start letting the scripture dissect us. You read the scripture saying, how can I conform to this, not how can this conform to me? Last one. If you aren't hungry for God, it just means you're full of yourself. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures, and I want to talk about this. We're going to be reading out of the Gospels in Luke chapter 9. And the four Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are different accounts of the life of Christ coming from different perspectives and different writers. So think of it as kind of like an incident happens. You have four different reporters writing about the same thing, and they all talk about the life of Christ. So Luke chapter 9, 23 says this. Then he said to them all, Jesus is saying this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must slowly think about it and eventually work their way to me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must give me their Sunday mornings from this point forward. No, it says, it must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Listen to what the Bible teaches. Listen to what Jesus teaches. We do this all the time in our life. We want to save our life. So we say, all right, God, I will let you have that and that and that because that doesn't cost me as much. That's not as hard. But this area is still mine, so I'm not going to let you all the way into that area. I'm going to save it for me. And he says, whenever you do that, you end up losing it anyways. There's this old saying that someone told me a long time ago, whatever you compromise to gain, you will eventually lose what you gained anyways. So if you compromise something to gain something, you're going to eventually lose it all. And so be very careful, whoever tries to save their life and hold on to you being in control, Jesus says you're going to lose it anyways. But whoever truly lets go of every area will save it all. It's the way of Christ. It's the way that he teaches in scriptures. And I've been learning something about this. I've been learning it's not about how much we give, but it's by how much we keep when it's over. We like to tell God how much we do for him. But it's not so much what we do for him, it's about what we have left over once it's been given out. 
And I think it's so important to understand the real value. When you had, in the Bible, when you had the lady give the two coins, that wasn't very much, but it was all she had. When you had the boy give the loaves and the fishes, that wasn't very much, but he had nothing left when it was done. He was all in. God doesn't care about how much you give. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He wants all of you. The more you give, the more he loves. What's more to God, a multi-billionaire giving a million dollars or a homeless man giving 10? What's more to God? It's not about how much you do. It's not about how much you give. It's how much of yourself you give. It's how much of yourself you've laid down. That's what God looks at and says, that's worship. That's what living for me looks like. He's like, Jesus just wants my church attendance, right? Just wants me to show up, serve, pay my tithe even, do a few things here and there, go to church, say a prayer, right? That's what he wants, right? That's what they had before Jesus came and it wasn't enough. He had an encounter with someone who thought that same way, called the rich young ruler in the Bible. And he thought he was good because he thought he was all in because he did the things he was supposed to do. And we have done that today in our faith. We think that God wants us to do certain things and that's what he wants. We don't realize the death inside of our heart is not fully surrendered to God. That's what he wants. Full death, all of us. Look at what the running he had with a rich young ruler in Luke 18. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. So he's like, you know the things we've said. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't do stuff like that. Steal, false testament, honor your father and mother. He's like, well, I'm good there because I've been doing that. How many times you're like, God, you and I are good, right? I don't really cheat. I kind of like, I try to do good to people, try to give back. I try to do this, I try to do that. God, we're good, right? That's the same conversation we have with God all the time. And Jesus noticed that he, he was thinking about it the wrong way. He was calling him out on it. It was just about what he thought he did to, become, to, to live the way he wanted him to live. And when Jesus thought this, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. He wasn't all the way in in his heart to Christ fully, fully surrendered. He was doing the right things. And how many times a day do we do the right things and feel like we're straight? But if we were honest with ourselves, we are not totally living as a living sacrifice, a walking dead person. We still are in control of our life. There's a misunderstanding of righteousness. We've reduced it to doing nothing wrong. I go to church. I don't cuss. I do this. I do that. I don't root for the Panthers. But righteousness is doing what is right. Righteousness. It's living all the way in. A righteous person lives the right way. It, it, I, as a father, when I see my kids always doing their best to not get in trouble, that concerns me. Because I feel like they're doing everything they can to not get in trouble. But you know what? If I see them trying to do the right thing, and they mess up doing it, I don't care as a father because they're attempting to do the right thing. But if you always feel like you're on a jury trial with your kids where they're always trying to show you that they didn't do anything wrong, you feel like they're, they don't have the right mindset. They're not thinking about it the right way. And that's what God wants. He feels like we're trying to always not get in trouble with him. It's like, just go do what's right. Live right. That's righteousness. So how do we live an all-in life? How do we do that? There's a couple things I want to draw your attention to. Number one, Recognize that being all in is the expectation and norm of a disciple of Christ. That is the standard. There's not really anything less than that for Jesus. It doesn't really exist in the Bible. 
There's, no, there's nothing under living all in when you read the Bible. That is the first step. Just like my marriage. I was married in Sarasota, Florida. I'll never forget it. It was a uh, wonderful wedding. I, my wife was from Sarasota. I was youth pastoring at the time in St. Pete, which is about 45 minutes away. And we had a, a lot of people from both churches come. And we, it was so fun. I remember we were all in the green room, and her dad was a nervous wreck because he hates giving speeches, and he was mauling over his speech like a hundred times, and I was being too loud for him, apparently, he told me to shut up, like he was all nervous about his daughter's wedding, I'm like, this is how you're going to talk to me when we get married, anyways, we get married, we come out, everything's good, but then everyone saw pretty quickly who wears the pants in my relationship, because I started bawling like a baby, and she laughed through the whole thing, I don't know what that means, I don't really know what that means, but one of the things that is interesting about marriage is I showed up unmarried and I left there married. I left there with a radically different set of expectations and responsibilities than when I went. I did not, when I said I do, I did not say I do Monday through Friday. Because a marriage that says I do Monday through Friday will not work. And a relationship with God that says, I do Monday through Friday, won't work. There's no middle ground for God. You're either married or you're not. You're not married Monday through Friday with God. And when you think of that kind of relationship, it's like there's no secret place. There's no day off from being married. You're married or you're not. You're either a Christ follower all in or you're not. There's nothing in the middle. And I think we oftentimes like to live in the middle and we assume that God's okay with it, but He's not. Number two, the next thing is to debunk the theory that God is okay with you living halfway. How would you feel if your spouse came to you and said, all right, I'll be faithful to you, but can I have Friday nights off? I promise you I'll come back to you. I just need one day a week, baby, where I have zero responsibility to you to do whatever I want, but I'll come back. You got six days out of the week. Why are you complaining? You know you're my sugar mom. I'm going to come home to you. You think that marriage is going to last very long? No. no, not at all. You think that person's crazy for even thinking that? Yeah. Crazy. Why do we do the same thing with God? All right, God, you got my Sunday. All right, God, I, I gave you that. All right, quick, get off my back. I started tithing recently, and isn't that enough? Like, we, we, we're holding on to our life, and we're just giving what we're willing to let up instead of just letting it all go. It doesn't work that way. Forgive them, the Lord says. I can't right now. This is too hard. No. No. See, whenever we think of living all in, we think of believing in Jesus, but Jesus wants us to live this out. So when he says, let that thing go, I can't, that's not living all in. When he says, drop that attitude, that represents your old self. I can't. This is me. I'm Italian. That's That's how we roll. That's what we do. When God presses you to ask, forgive them. No, that's too hard. Stop that habit. Let that go. Come back to me. No, God, this is kind of my area. Stay off my back. I need Fridays off from you. I'll come to church on Sunday. We'll figure this out later. How many Christians do you know do that on a regular basis? So many, because they don't understand what God's asking. A bride does not live halfway. Maybe a dating relationship that's unhealthy might, but not a bride. And we are a bride. Jesus says, come, uh, give up your cross, cast your nets. Revelation 3.15 says this, I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. This is for those who think God's okay with them living halfway. This is what he says. So because you are lukewarm, you're not hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He's not okay with halfway. 
We think he is, but he's not. He makes it very clear in Scripture. Either serve me all the way or go do your thing and get it over with. But don't play games with me and walk on the fence with your relationship with me. So what do I do now? You determine to live an all-in life. Mentally give God everything. Go through your mind. Every belief you have, is that fully surrendered to God? Every attitude you have, is that fully surrendered to God? Every hurt you have, is that fully surrendered to God? Totally. Every fear that you have, is that laid at his feet? Totally. Every struggle you have, is that fully surrendered? Any hardened heart, any hardened mind, anything, any ways of thinking, any ways of living, is that fully surrendered to God? Say, God, I give this all to you. I'll never forget when I was starting to get this. I had a moment in high school where I, just, I was tired of playing games with God. I love the band Rage Against the Machines, one of my favorite bands. I'll never forget taking my, my tape. We had tapes back then. But taking my tape and throwing it out the window and saying, I, I, I can't keep doing this, God. I'm playing games with you. Like, I don't care. I'm just playing games with you. I'm, I have all these voices in my head that are competing against you, and I'm just tired of doing that. Jesus in John talks again about dying yourself. Look what he says in John. He says, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, to go to the cross he's talking about. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. He says it over and over and over and over again. Those who care nothing for the life in this world, meaning fully surrender to God, will keep it for eternity. And I want to point something out. The disciples did not change the world because they believed in Jesus. They changed the world because they surrendered all. They changed the world because they threw their nets down, not because they're like, oh yeah, he's God's son. Anyone can say he's God's son. We're going to change this city, not if we believe in Jesus, but if we throw our nets down and surrender all. You're going to change your family when you can live your life that way, when you can approach God that way. Matthew, uh, uh, Matthew 4 says, One day Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, son of Peter, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. That was their income. That was their source. Jesus called out to them, come, be my disciples. I'll show you how to fish for people. They left their nets and followed him. And that's standard when Jesus walked the earth. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine, Jesus says. If you clean your life, you'll lose it. But if you give it to me, you'll find it over and over and over again. Some of you are, are at Jordan Lake on boulders wanting to jump off the big rock into the lake, but you're hesitant because it's a little too high for you. And that's what you're doing with your faith. It's like, you ever, you ever jumped off of something high, you get a little nervous, and oh, I don't know if I should do this, and I back off, and that's kind of scary. What if I face plant? What if I hurt myself? We used to jump off of big rocks and cliffs and stuff in the Dominican, and I, whenever I take friends, you can always see someone's personality come out when you put them at the top of a cliff and they're about to jump in the water. And then the ones that overthink it and keep backing off and overthinking it back off. And then I had this one Filipino friend. He was crazy, like crazy. He, he came running from the back. He didn't even know what he was jumping into. He just jumped and hoped it worked out on the way down. And I said, from someone who's a typical overthinker, I envy that about him. He just goes for it. That's how he tackles life. And I said, I wish I would just take my faith with God that same way. God, I'm just going to go for this all the way, like totally, totally go for this. And see what works. You know the people that get hurt from jumping off rocks and cliffs and diving platforms? The ones that last minute go, no! And they reach back and try to grab on because they just chicken out last minute. Those are the ones that get really hurt. You're better off not jumping or jumping all the way but not doing it halfway. And it's the same thing with God. You're better off jumping or staying on the platform. Don't do this thing halfway. Give him 
all you got. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. There's a story that is very inspirational to me. When Cortez landed in Mexico and they were going to go explore, he, uh, a lot of his men were getting antsy. They wanted to go home. And he knew that they would never be able to do what God called them to do with that double-mindedness and that wanting to pull out all the time. He knew they'd never be able to do it. So you know what he did? He took their 11 ships that they used to get over there and burned all of them and made everybody watch. All their ships burned. That was their way home. Burned it. He turned around to his men and said, you see that? We're not going home. We might as well keep going forward because I just burned every single chance you had about going back to that old life. And there's some people here that you're serving God, but you got a couple of ships in the back just in case it doesn't work out. In your mind, that's still an option if this whole Jesus thing doesn't work out. And it's time to burn some ships in your life. For some of you here, maybe you're on the fence with your faith. You've been playing games with God. And it's time for you to jump in and make 2020 be a fresh start for you. Maybe for others, you, you, you're all in with your faith when it comes to belief. You totally believe in Jesus. That's not compromised at all. But it's ways of living that you're not all in. It's certain areas. Maybe your attitudes are not all in and fully surrendered. Your belief is, but your attitudes aren't. Maybe addictions, ways of thinking, selfishness, hurt. You have things you're still carrying that you have not fully let go and put at the foot of the cross. And you, you consider yourself a Christian, you believe in God, but there's those things he's trying to say, let that go, let that go, give it all to me. And maybe for you, the call is not so much to believe in Jesus more, but to let those things go that keep representing your old nature. Let's stand. I want you to search your heart this morning. Ask yourself, God, if you were here right now walking through every part of my brain, every room in my heart, every action, every deed, every way of thinking, every way of living, everything I do, everything I value, is there any area, God, that I need to make right with you before going into this next year? Is there any area I've been living halfway with you, maybe in my ministry or my leadership or my effort to reach my neighbors or my, my desire for you, maybe with my finances, with my health, with my job, with my life, with my dating relationships, with my marriage, with my children? Is there any way I'm just going halfway with you, God, and I'm not letting you have full, full reign? If that's you this morning, I just want you to search your heart and let's invite the Holy Spirit into this place to answer that question. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and Lead us in some time of worship for altar and reflection. And if there's something you want to come leave at the foot of the cross and say, you know what, I'm going to go all in. Just come find your way up front and, and make it between you and God. Kneel down in prayer, stand, whatever you want to do. It's really about your, what's going on inside of you anyways. And let's just take a minute and invite the Holy Spirit to show things to us, to have a heart check and a mind check and ask him what he wants us to do with it this morning. And then Pastor Shane will come whenever he's ready and he'll kind of close things out. Join Pastor Shane of Covenant Life Church next time for another powerful and inspirational message. To find out more about Covenant Life Church, log on to www.covenant-life.com or call 919-462-1932. Remember, living life without direction is meaningless. Living a purpose life with direction from Jesus Christ is your life fulfilled.